Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Where's the guru? Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. Good morning, Valley sports fans. A happy Thursday to everybody. Welcome one. Welcome all. To a very special day in sports and a day, Vinny. Today is the first big snow in the high country today. Oh, is it? Yeah. It's going to happen. You know, technology is amazing. There was a, um, about maybe a year ago or so, uh, I read this story about how we're going to get snow in Flagstaff on Thursday. So I said to my kids, let's go play in the snow. Well, Dad, do you know, how do you know it's going to, they say it's going to (laughs) snow. The technology said it was going to start at, the forecast said the snow would come down at 2 p.m. And I'm... Not kidding you. The clock got to 2 p.m. and it started snowing on the dot. Wow. I'm not kidding you. And we're like, this is the greatest thing in the world. Until three hours later, we're sliding over the streets. <laughs> Cars are spinning out. Looking for a hotel to stay overnight because you can't drive yes, home. My wife's having post-traumatic Chicago flashbacks <laughs> screaming at me. <laughs> this yeah, was, was your idea. bright idea, Bickley. It's also a big day if you live in Houston and or Philadelphia. What are the odds that you would schedule a Thursday night football game between Philadelphia and Houston? Two teams that very rarely play each other. And have those two cities and teams play each other that same night in the World Series? In the same parking lot. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. No, that's, no. That's, no, the games the, the football yeah, that's games true. in Houston. That's true. The football games in Houston, the baseball games in Philly. Yeah, that that's a be, big parking that, lot. That would that be, would be cool. a, That's a very big parking lot. The the sporting... Um, I, I was mistaken there. My, my bad. Uh, no, but the... the, the Sporting venues in Philadelphia all being right next to each yeah. other. It's yeah. it's a really cool area. Oh yeah. No, it, no. It really is. It's 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 very interesting. It's a great sports city. This is gonna be fun. If only the Rockets and Sixers were playing too. Oh, how about that? And the Flyers and the Well Yeah. The well, Coyotes. Whatever. Whatever. Yeah, right. There you go. In a few years. <laughs> all right, we got a lot of ground to cover. We had history and baseball. We got football. Start the show, Jarrett. Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, you mentioned it, Big. History in Game 4 of the World Series. Christian Javier. Brian Abreu, Rafael Montero, Ryan Presley combined on just the second no-hitter in World Series history as the Astros blanked the Phillies 5-0. Javier just nasty. Uh, Houston would get all they'd need and more offensively with a five-spot in the fifth inning. First World Series no-no since Don Larson's perfect game for the Yankees in Game 5 of the 56 series against the Dodgers. Roy Halladay of the Phillies had a postseason no-hitter, but that came in Game 1 of uh, the 2010 NLDS series. Now tied. 
Game 5 on tap tonight in Philadelphia. Noah Syndergaard, uh, Syndergaard throwing for the Phillies against uh, Justin Verlander yeah. for the Astros. 5-0-3 first pitch. A lot of thoughts about that. It, there was a time in Major League Baseball when, when the strikeouts were getting really, really bad in, in games. That it was two pitching dominated when we thought, you know what? Will we get to the time when a no-hitter is, like, yucky? If last night's game was not a playoff game, that would have been a yucky no-hitter. True. People don't like to combine no-hitters now because no. it's a sign. I actually had a friend call and say, well, what the heck? They're taking them out in a no-hitter in the World Series? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, it's yeah. about winning a championship now. Yeah. It's not right. really about individual no, accomplishments. No. So I had no problem right. with no, it. No, me neither. The uh, comedian uh, Ian Carmel, who's a, a big Portland Trailblazers fan, said, oh, combine no-hitter? Wonderful. The Portland Trailblazers combined to break Wilt Chamberlain's single-game scoring record. <laughs> Like <laughs> That's, the they difference? did it eighty times last year. There, well, there is a difference, but it's also th- they're not the same. A combined no hitter is not the same as a regular no hitter. Jeff Passan said it b- best. It's like the difference between chicken wings and boneless chicken wings. The latter, you have to be honest and just call them chicken nuggets. Yeah, they're That's not correct. chicken wings. That's right. That's the same. That's the parallel between a individual no hitter and a collective group no hitter. And inferior. If you don't yeah. like uh, you know group no hitters, I don't know what to tell you. They're going to be the wave of the future. Yeah, Those right. individual ones are going well, to be yeah, very, very never, rare. Yeah. Uh, Cardinals are back on the practice field Wednesday, starting their preparation for the Seattle Seahawks. Well, more accurately, it was a walkthrough. Uh, seven players did not pr- participate. Those players were offensive lineman Max Garcia, Rodney Hudson, the center, who's already been ruled out for Sunday, DJ Humphreys, along with safety Buda Baker, defensive lineman Jonathan Ledbetter, cornerback Kirsten Matthew, and running back Darrell Williams, who was also placed on injured reserve with a hip injury, so he'll miss at least the next four games. <clears throat> Cardinals finalized their deal with the linebacker Camus Grugier Hill. Uh, reached an injury settlement with and released kicker Rodrigo Blankenship and picked up defensive tackle Tristan Hill off waivers from the Cowboys. He played in seven games with Dallas, gathering six total tackles and three quarterback hits, which is basically more numbers than Chandler Jones has put up for the Raiders yeah. this year. Um, he's a former second-round pick out of UCF in uh, 2019. As was mentioned, Week 9 in the NFL gets underway tonight in Houston. The 1-5-1 and Texans hosting the undefeated Philadelphia Eagles can... Uh, uh, continuing the possibility of teams from Philly ruining the week of Houston sports fans, although you know they're feeling better today uh, on the Astros side. The highlight for the Texans might be the fact that they're wearing their battle red helmets for the first time. That might oh. be it. That might be the highlight. Wow. Kickoff is at 5.15. Daniel Snyder and his wife, Tanya Snyder, have hired Bank of America Securities to explore potential sales options of the Washington Commanders, whether that be a full sale or the pursuit of minority investors. Um, in a maybe related story, Announced yesterday, the U.S. Attorney's Office in the Eastern District of uh, Virginia has opened up a criminal investigation into allegations that the commanders engaged in financial improprieties, according to two sources who reported that to ESPN. Yeah, this is um, it's funny because for of all the ethical uh, issues that come with Daniel Snyder and his ownership of that team, for all the yucky stuff, for all the workplace toxicity, the reason this is happening is money. It's happening because Daniel Snyder and the Redskins, sorry, the commanders might have cooked the books and not contributed their fair share. And also because that stadium is so wretched and his image is so wretched, the Redskins, sorry, the commanders are now 31st in total revenue in the NFL. 31st. Wow. The team from the, uh, so that, that's what's driving this. Yeah, one of the old historic franchises in football. Wow.
Wow. Uh, didn't take long for Bradley Chubb to get his new deal in his new home. Tuesday, Chubb was traded from the Broncos to the Dolphins ahead of the NFL deadline. Wednesday, he got a five-year, uh, actually this morning finalized, five-year contract extension from the Dolphins, reportedly worth $119 million with $63.2 million guaranteed. Coyotes in action tonight at the Mullet, hosting the Dallas Stars in the final game of a four-game homestand at Tempe. Stars, top team in the Central Division with 13 points. Yotes fresh off their first win ever at their new home, 3-1 over Winnipeg, uh, over Florida, excuse me. Uh, puck drops at 7. Pre-game coverage starts on the Arizona Sports app in 98-7 at 6.30. University of Kansas men's basketball program issued four-game suspensions for head coach Bill Self and assistant Curtis Townsend and the Jayhawks program self-imposing several recruiting restrictions stemming from the M- FBI investigation into college hoops corruption that began in 2017. Well, I'm glad we have finality on that. And they're handling their own penalties still five years later. Self-suspension will cover non-conference games against Omaha, North Dakota State, Duke, and Southern Utah. But uh, both coaches will be eligible to return for Kansas's game against North Carolina State on November 23rd. And the Gonzaga basketball program been in talks reportedly about possibly joining the Big 12, according to Pete Thamel of ESPN. Thamel also reported that Gonzaga had has been exploring other options including the Pac-12 and Big East in the mix, but uh, the extent of those talks is not known. Uh, so here we go. Yeah. Now we got basketball programs hopping all over. To go along with football programs well, hopping listen, all over. Well, listen, I think a lot of people thought, okay, if the Pac-12 gets raided by the Big 12, let's open our doors because Gonzaga would be great for us. Big 12 might beat them to that. That's interesting to me. Yeah, but Gonzaga also doesn't have a football program. Which is... So there's that. Which is a problem in the Big 12. Yeah. Shut up, Jared. Shut up, Jared. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. There's your splash for Thursday, November 3rd. Smashing Pumpkins and Jane's Addiction coming to Footprint Center for the Spirits on Fire Tour, November 18th. Head to the contest page now at ArizonaSports.com for complete details and your chance to win tickets. Coming up next, Cliff Kingsbury speaking on a number of subjects, and some of them were really eye-opening. We'll get into those yes, uh, next. Here it's uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings, live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. When you play a team the second time, there's always things you didn't get to that you are like to. And the way they're playing and, and uh, the last three weeks, really, um, three-game win streak, they're playing at a really high level. Um, so we know, I think, what probably they're going to do. They know what we're going to do, and it's just about execution. I thought the last time we played them, they, they executed at a really high level in all three phases. And um, we got to kind of match that if we want a chance to win this one. Cliff Kingsbury, head coach of the Cardinals, speaking yesterday on uh, what Sarah called appropriately. Round two, Cardinals and Seahawks this time at State Farm Stadium in Glendale. Uh, and yeah, references to the last time these two teams played in Seattle. Mm, probably the low point for the Cardinal season. Would you agree? Yeah. With the anticipation so. of improvement offensively at that time, the Seattle defense was really reeling and trying to find itself and mm-hmm. they dominated that game nine points yeah that was the Cardinals yeah that was bad and and again I think I've mentioned this many many times it was just the the, the kind of just the just the complete lack of threat the Cardinals seemed to pose to Pete Carroll as you watched him work his way through that game and, and that was almost as depressing to me as the final score 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because because a real high powered offense, if Pete Carroll was going up against Andy Reid, you know there'd be it would be it would be a big deal. But there just was no sense of fear or anything. And and you know they got up. It, it, you, you you watch. We all watch the game. We a all lot of settling for field goals. Yeah. yeah. And just being content, controlling oh, yeah. the ball. Yeah. No, not passing. No the ball. risks. Even yeah. though Geno Smith was lighting up the league, he just had this super conservative game plan. Run into the line. Run into the line. Be content. To punt, stop the team, and, mm-hmm. and it just, they never, that, that that body language really bothered me almost as much as the outcome, and I think it really kind of feeds into that belief that I've, and it's really, it's a fear that even if the NFL has figured out Cliff Kingsbury's offense, and there's more and more evidence every day that they have. Thank you, Patrick Peterson. Uh, the, it's, the, the problem is, shut up, Jared. The problem, shut up, Jared. It's even more, it's even... <laughs> It's even more acute in the division where you've got these really good cluster of head coaches who who have seen this guy and his offense twice as much, yeah, two times every year, and so that's that's part of one of my fears this weekend. The Cardinals have to come correct this weekend. This is really the point of no return. The Seahawks. Somebody really should take a pin to the balloon that is the Seattle Seahawks. If that's yeah, about time, yeah. I mean, is it is it time? Though, Smith is, too. is this well, legit? Yeah, I. <laughs> we all kind of fear it that that it's legit, but we all are thinking. On the other hand, maybe uh, they can't be that good. It's fairly clear that this season, Jalen Hurts has passed Kyler Murray, and Tua Tungavailoa has passed Kyler Murray. I don't think Justin Fields has done that yet. No. But this football team and Kyler Murray cannot lose twice to Geno Smith. I'm sorry. Uh, Going into the season, we were like, their defense is going to sting Seattle. They have a lot of talent on offense, except for the quarterback, so it's not going to matter, and the team's going to stink. And they lost lost their top running back. They've identified their next guy at running back. As they always do. Um, And we we had this conversation that going into the year, there were a couple of teams in the division that seemed to have really good rosters and iffy quarterbacks, and a couple teams that had really good quarterbacks and maybe iffy rosters. Right. In fact, we even yeah. grouped the Rams in there because of the Stafford uh, injury, arm injury that mm-hmm. we didn't know about. We we said that the Cardinals might actually be best set up at quarterback with Kyler Murray. Yeah. That has not and, been yeah. the case. Yeah. The yes. other thing that came out in, in Cliff Kingsbury's press conference yesterday was the stat, and this is just astounding when you think about it. Through eight games, the Arizona Cardinals have been trailing in games. Not tied, not winning. Trailing in games, 91% of the minutes played. Here's Cliff Kingsbury on that. Amazing to, like I said, even still have a chance to be in it. Um, it's last in the league, and uh, we haven't been able to execute like we need to. And, and like I've said all along, when you're playing from behind that much, you don't even get into your game plan. You don't even really get to see what type of uh, team you have, I don't think. So we've, we've got to be able to stay in these ball games. I mean, again, it, it, it cycles back to same old story. Yeah, it's we'll get the your same. game plan from the opening get gate. How about that? How yeah, about I'm not, that? I'm not game sure plan being, should be to score early and maybe that? get a lead. Yeah. I'm not sure being down three or seven nothing is time to get out of your game plan either. <laughs> no, it's just because you're trailing. Last yeah. week in what was a pretty competitive game, they lose by eight points to uh, the Minnesota Vikings. They had the lead for a few minutes after Zach Ertz scored that touchdown in the third quarter with 9:01. They led until 5:47 of the uh, on the next drive. So you know, 
couple minutes. 91% of the time they're trailing. That's brutal. And that's, you know, that's really indicative of, of this slow starting offense more than anything. You go eight straight games without a touchdown in the first quarter, chances are you're going to be losing most football games. And the duration of most football games mm-hmm. is what I'm saying. Uh, Cliff Kingsbury on the continued lack of deep balls in the passing offense. For whatever reason, it hasn't you know been there this year. We haven't connected on the deep ball. Um, I don't know. I can't think of many this year we've been able to push the ball down the field and actually hit any. And that's been something we've been really good at previously. So we'll continue to work at it. And hopefully with Robbie and um, we get Hollywood back at some point, you know, those guys can really stretch the field. We can, we can connect on a few of those. Yeah, he's not wrong, uh, but... Uh, and I don't have the stats in front of me about the deep shots that they've mm-hmm. taken. Mm-hmm. Doesn't it just feel like it's completely absent, even attempts? Yeah. To try to stretch yeah. the field. No, it, it really a couple. Does. I mean, and the one last week was probably the ugliest example of a deep ball we've seen all year because Kyler Murray underthrew it by about 15 yards. Yeah. Th- yes. And and again, I don't even think that qualifies as a deep ball to me because that play was that that was chaos within a, a millisecond after mm-hmm. that ball being snapped. So yeah. So I think real coherent, good. I mean, real solid attempts. Yeah, that has definitely be, been lacking. So I guess what you hope for. I, I guess you hope that it, even though Seattle Seahawks. Uh, defensively, they have gotten a lot better as the season goes on. Um, they're in first place. They have a lot of belief in what they're doing. They probably are not that afraid of this Arizona offense. You hope that maybe the fact that they did not DeAndre Hopkins did not play the last game they played. That is so maybe correct. maybe that will make a difference. And then maybe now that we're how many weeks into the Robbie Anderson thing? This is week three. This is week three. Okay. Cliff also said yesterday that he that he vows to get him more integrated, which I think would be more you know involved in the offense, more attempts, stuff that's specifically designed to exploit his speed and. Yeah, so I you, you hope you hope they've got they have got to come correct this week because if not this thing could really circle the drain because there's a conventional wisdom tells you the 49ers um, really improved themselves with Christian McCaffrey tells you the Rams are going to get their act together at some point you you feel like they have to don't they you think that but that offensive Maybe line's not getting any I healthier know, I know and then you've got the Seahawks thing that's right in front of you so this is this is when it's got to start happening. Yeah, it, it seems it's weird because there's been eight weeks of football played so far, and everybody's waiting for the, for the other shoe to drop. Like, when is this going to feel normal? It might not. Feel, this might be your normal. What you're looking at, uh, the normal now for the Cardinals for the rest of this season is the hard knocks reality. It's starting next week. Next Wednesday is when Hard Knocks uh, premieres. Cliff Kingsbury was asked if he's looking forward to that. Yeah, I hate watching myself do anything, so I won't, won't watch it. But I, I am excited for fans to see the type of people we have. I know they do some behind the scenes with families and um, stories of, of kind of origin stories and things like that. And we have some great stories on our team. Uh, and uh, also added this when asked... Do you notice the cameras? No, I, they do a great job of kind of um, laying in the shadows, and you, you don't notice it much, almost to a, to a fault. You'll say some things that maybe could get you canceled and have to kind of give them the, okay, that's out. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's, it's not. It doesn't interrupt anything. They do a great job with it. Like. I know that's another swing at humor. That was a that was a weird answer. I think. <laughs> so do I. So do I. 
Yeah, listen. for Cardinal fans who want Cliff Kingsbury out, you're just one faulty edit away from right. that happening. Right. Yeah. Things that'll get you canceled. Um, but but listen, if if he's getting, if he's I have a movie that, I'd like to promote. Yeah. Look, if he's getting that dark and blue behind the scenes, I'm not. That might be a good thing actually. <laughs> if he's laying into this football team. No, I, the, my takeaway was was basically, oh no, don't tell me the Cardinals have that kind of control over the end product. I'm sure they do. I'm sure other teams have had that too. I mean. At the heart of it, it's an NFL films production. Well, they don't want to make their their teams, their membership look bad. Yeah, but they still need to make the show interesting. Yeah, but, there's uh, going to be some give and take. There yeah. will, but uh, I mean, look over the the long history of Hard Knocks. Does anything controversial? Has there ever been a controversy that's come out of Hard Knocks? No. That's that, true. That one, Carson yeah, Palmer you know, telling no. his center his butt stink. <laughs> yeah. That was about the worst. That one yeah. coach whose belly oh. bounced up and down. Yeah. Yeah. Said, oh. yeah. <laughs> Not exactly a, a hot controversy the coach, there. Yeah, Rex right. Ryan's saying, let's get some Blanken snacks. <laughs> yeah, maybe not controversial, but something spicy. Oh, yeah, viral moments, certainly. Yeah. Spicy moments, memorable moments, but no, no controversies ever come out of it. Right. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Coming up next, Phoenix Suns rolling along early this season without one of their key players from last year. Will we have developments on the Jay Crowder front soon? That and more next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. No, I mean, I think uh, for us collectively as a group, we've been, you know, we've been through this situation before. Our top five guys... They've been playing well together, and uh, they've they've just continued to do the things that we did last regular season. Um, but you know, our bench has been great, um, and, and Devin's been phenomenal. You know, you talk about Cam and Mikel; uh, those guys have been been exceptional early, and, and they've they've been really driving us to the the success that we've had so far. James Jones, the general manager of the Phoenix Suns, his weekly visit with Burns and Gambo yesterday here on Arizona Sports, and whether or not he's surprised by the six and one start, and he'll point to the success of the starting five, which is not intact right now with the DeAndre Aiden injury. Still dealing with that ankle. is going to be out for a, a bit, at least a couple more games, it seems. Uh, but yeah, when you look at, at lineups together, that lineup of Chris Paul, Devin Booker, Mikel Bridges, DeAndre Ayton, and Cam Johnson has been very, very productive. Mm-hmm. They've only played 62 minutes together in five games, but they're plus 35. Yeah, that's that's some some good return uh, on on that lineup. So yeah, I mean, when you can rely on a healthy roster, no, you're not going to be surprised. Maybe some people are surprised, but you know, I think the Suns have clicked into what was working like, for them very early uh, this year. Like like James Jones is going to say, I'm surprised that the plan I put together is working. Yeah, true. <laughs> um, the the other thing uh, that is hanging over this team right now is. The Jay Crowder situation. Mm-hmm. Jay Crowder yesterday released a, a video, uh, a work, another workout video, black and white, very artfully done. Yeah. Taking a, lot a page of out of the Cam Newton book. Orchestral uh, music in the background. Uh, I'm, I'm still so perplexed by the Jay Crowder stance on all of this. Oh, yeah. And we kind of got 
uh, into it yesterday about you know Jay Crowder you know watching watching these games and realizing wow this team doesn't need me right now he's painted himself into a corner oh, he sure has and the Suns are anything but in a corner right now this is one of the all time I don't know if it's an all time career blunder Vinny but it's uh, on a small scale it sure is especially if you could have been involved in a team with championship aspirations in a city in which you had a very good persona uh, did, choosing the path he did and now being stuck on the sidelines with these kind of Pathetic reminders that hey everybody I'm here yeah. is I'm is, in the best shape of my life is really is really an unfortunate thing and and I and it it, it goes beyond that I mean somebody part of the deal is when Cam jo- Johnson when Cam Johnson had that game the other night that was sort of the missing element of the the season in progress how good would this team look if Cam Johnson leveled up. If he put together that kind of game. So he comes out, he scores 29 points, he had seven three-pointers, and you look at that and you go, wow, this team in full really might be a handful uh-huh. if they all, all step up in unison, right? Yes. And and it's not inconceivable to think that that is exactly what we're watching. Okay, so uh, so, we're, so we all got a glimpse of that, and that has to be hitting Jay Crowder really hard. Last night, there was a graphic posted online that that Cam Johnson's 29-point performance exceeded anything Jay Crowder has ever done with the Suns, and Jay Crowder felt compelled to respond to that with by pointing out there was a game when I once hit eight three-pointers. <laughs> and, and at that point, you realize, wow. This guy has really made a bad decision. And I don't know whether his his agent directed him in that decision because clearly you you know all this business works. Mm -hmm. And it all began with his agent getting a a hold of the son saying, hey, look, we'd really like a contract extension. Jay loves it here. He would like a commitment from you. And then the son said, ah, I'm sorry, it's not going to happen. And from there, a decision was made to say, "Okay, then trade me. And this is it's a bad look. And and Jay Crowder, who had this reputation as a real tough guy, as a great team guy, as a great complimentary piece, is getting roundly skewered in the NBA uh, which, community. Again, love Jay Crowder. He deserves it. He does. Why not report? Show that you're the great teammate that you're claiming to be, that everybody has always said you are. You know, show your value on the court. And maybe you're a little bit more attractive right now. What he's done and what the, what the team has done now is given James Jones a lot of time. And here's another oh, yeah. sign that oh, says yeah. this is not going to be resolved very quickly. It's really, really too early. Um, we have a lot of guys that are, you know, continuing to evolve. Uh, we'll continue to monitor it and look at what's best uh, for the team. Um, but right now, I like where we are. Yeah, when you tell, uh, you know, when you have a GM saying out loud, it's too early to tell what we need. When you've got a tradable piece right now, that, that you know, there's prob- there's interest around the league for Jay Crowder. Mm-hmm. He, mm-hmm. he performs a service. He's good at what he does. But that is just saying, yeah, it's not very important to me right now. James Jones is fascinating. There is he his unconventionality is such there are things that he will not do that that gets him a lot of eye rolling in NBA circles by other teams, management, by other GMs, and yet he's got a vision that is largely responsible for where the Phoenix Suns are right here and now. Mm-hmm. And, and that's dating back two plus years. A- after the Jay Crowder move happened, the, the initial narrative was, how could you tell Jay Crowder you're no longer a starter, and how could you tell him you are not going to be on the floor to finish games? Now, we don't know that that actually happened, but that has been up. Put out there. Either way, it's it was almost as if James, you're really screwing this up. You could have traded him. You could have, yeah, you could have unloaded him already. There, and and here he is now, 
six and one, few days into November, and he's got all the leverage because not only does he have this Jay Crowder piece that he can trade when he wants to on his terms, he's got a young nucleus that continues to improve whose value will be even more than whatever pursuit of Kevin Durant happened months ago. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of options. It's it's going to be fascinating to see how this plays out. Yeah, the health right now is certainly relative health again without DeAndre Ayton. Minor injury, be back soon. But that is also playing into James Jones' hands. You might you might get you might be able to the way this thing is rolling, especially with the way things are going in Brooklyn. You may be able to pawn off Da Jay Crowder, maybe a couple other pieces, get Kevin Durant without losing Mikhail Bridges or Cam Johnson. Maybe, maybe long way down the road. But I'm just saying that this is a, a, for a guy that was kind of like toeing the line with the team that looked like it was incomplete, looked like it was small, looked like it had, you know, serious bench issues. Yes. Yeah, not, but then. Not the story right now. But then would Kevin Durant be okay coming off the bench? Because they already said Cam Johnson's the starter at the four. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. But here's what to consider now on that uh, on that front, too. This got patched up in Brooklyn for seven games. It's blown up. Steve Nash is gone. Kevin Durant reportedly shocked by this move. Wasn't consulted by this move. The Brooklyn Nets absolutely blew it last offseason. Yes, they had an ultimatum given to them by their star player that he wanted out. They should have traded him. There's no restrictions on Kevin Durant when he can be traded, by the way. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have to wait till December no. or January to be traded. No, he, he can doesn't. go anywhere yep. where... Mm-hmm. That limit. If this really continues to go down this road and get bad and dysfunctional, and the Nets just finally come to the conclusion, because Sean Marks is the next one out the door, you would agree, correct? I, I want to say obviously yes, but but Joe Sy has been so utterly well, loyal to him. That is true, but he might get to the point that this is not salvageable. We need Sean to start Marks. over. Why start? What? Why not start over now? Sean Marks to Joe Sy is Steve Keim to Michael Bidwill. Uh, they should have just. I don't think it's at that level. <laughs> <laughs> they should have. They should have just <laughs> blown up the team. I mean, they should. Kyrie Irving also, if you remember, was pretty much demanding a trade, and they didn't. They just couldn't find anyone that wanted yeah, it. Yeah, so he opted in and stuck himself in, in well, Brooklyn for another. They should have. Vinny, Vinny, you, you you're, you're plugged into the NBA, so I'm sure you've heard this a lot. Um, a lot of speculation that the Nets now know that they've got to wash their hands of Kyrie, right? That that he might be the next piece, and and LA has been rumored as a destination point for him. But it was all predicated on, on on Kyrie Irving coming correct and making the requisite apology for everything that's gone down in the last few days, which would make him a little less toxic. Yes. Do you think I that apology and happen. donation makes him less? He didn't less apologize. It wasn't an apology. No. No. He, he took responsibility, he, he, but he did not apologize. You're right. It, it was wasn't soft as hell. You're right. Yeah, yeah, it was. I agree. I agree. Nobody says the words "I'm sorry" in their apologies anymore. Have you heard about this? Or if they do, it's like "I'm sorry that people were but, offended." Yeah. By this. I'm sorry you were I'm hurt. Sorry that you are mm-hmm. upset. Sorry, but sorry, but yeah, so, always turning so it back on the person, the other person. Yeah. Yeah. Take responsibility. It's really not that hard. I just think, you know, I think Durant is likely on the move 
But now, with this being such a dumpster fire in Brooklyn two weeks into the season, right. the chances that well, everybody can just wait until Phoenix becomes a possibility. No, I think you're, I, no, I think you're right about that. I think that the, the best, the, the most logical thing that's going to happen is he is going to get dealt sooner rather than later to a team that is not Phoenix. Mm-hmm. That, that, I do think, is is what's up. But at the same time, I do think that James Jones still has the leverage because, yeah... What what team is what team really would want to sink in? Well, I guess there would be a lot that would want to sink into Kevin Durant. But I mean, I'm, you look at his last five years, and I don't know, man. That's a whole different kettle of fish. It's definitely more desirable than the other two guys. Well, yeah, the Nets, definitely that they'd probably want to trade. <laughs> well, that's a pretty low bar, Jared. <laughs> Coming up next, every once in a while in sports, things line up. Perfectly, And that's lining up tonight in Houston and Philadelphia with two matchups between cities. We'll get into what's going on next. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata Mornings. And the pitch from Presley. A swing and a ground ball to third. Bregman has it. The throw to first, and that'll do it. The Astros even up the World Series with a 5 to nothing win tonight. And four of their pitchers combined to no hit. The Philadelphia Phillies as Presley finishes off what Christian Javier started. And we got a brand new World Series all tied up at two. Stan Schulman, final call on ESPN Radio last night. Terrible uh, call. Where's the sense of history? And he's an he's an excellent baseball broadcaster too. I think but that maybe that got tempered by the fact that it was a combined no hitter. Well, and that and it was just one swing and a miss after another after another after it was a very difficult game to watch. It from was, that standpoint. but you know what I ke- I kept thinking about too uh, outside of the 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 you know parameters of the World Series is just how mental a no hitter becomes for the team that's getting no hit. Just talk about being in your. I mean, some of the pitches that the Phillies are swinging at in the late innings of that game, you're like, they're just desperately flailing at the ball trying to make contact. Well, the reason why the Astros were a heavy favorite in this series was not only just their pedigree in their roster, but their pitching can be ridiculous. And last night was an example of that. I had two takeaways. Number one was this. It, this feeling of really, this is just gross. Because again, an individual no hitter is something special, especially in the postseason, especially in the World Series. This w- wasn't that, okay? And I, and I joked earlier about Jeff Passan comparing it to, you know, regular chicken wings and boneless chicken wings, which are not chicken wings at all, they're chicken nuggets. And that's the difference between combined no hitters and real no hitters. And okay? they're bad. That, right. The last night it's you. Mostly got, bread in those. Last night yeah. you got the nuggets. You didn't get the chicken and wings. It, because the. The regular no-hitter, as you sort of was saying, is such a feat of one person's dominance. And just like this one guy going and, and stepping up in the biggest moment and, and a force of will and a force of athleticism. Yeah. And when there's four pitchers combining to it, it, there's nothing, it doesn't feel special it makes and it, epic. In some ways... I agree with you on the surface, but in some ways it's more impressive. For a guy to do it for six innings and then hand it off, hey, continue my dominance now, you three guys. But and they're those, able to do it. That's where the mental part comes except in. Except that 
then when it's one guy, that one guy has to get out 27 players. Yeah. That's each of those uh, relievers only had to get out three people. Right. And, and all these relievers are, are just filthy, especially on that staff. Yeah. So, so there was that. And, and so I think there was kind of a, okay, that, that wasn't what it should be. And as Vinny said earlier, there's no blame for Dusty Baker taking no. Christian Javier out of that game because at this point, you've got to win the game and you've got this bullpen stacked up. You saw what they did. So he made a, he made the right call. Here's what I think is really fascinating for people going into tonight's Game 5 and whether or not people in this country are going to choose baseball or whether they're going to choose football. What we saw in Game 3 of that series was a Phillies team effectively punk the Astros by unlocking a key that Lance McCullers was tipping his pitches. Yes. So it, it, that game turned out to be quite embarrassing for the Astros that it happened to their pitcher and nobody in their dugout could get that thing fixed before the Phillies had hit five home runs. Mm-hmm. So the Phillies are like, ha ha, got you, sucker. And for the Astros to come back and then no hit the team, that is that is an unbelievable clapback. It's one of the Biggest momentum answers in the history of sports. It is. Because it was so extreme. You're right. They get shut out. Their pitcher gives up five home runs. They're down 2-1. Oh, by the way, game four is on the road as well. The scene in Philadelphia before the game is absolutely nuts. And it was like it was like a morgue by the end of the game because of the right. answer that the Astros put forth. They made they made Phillies fans start to leave early. Phillies fans. Yeah. To answer your question, though, I know the answer to your question on what viewers will choose tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, even though the baseball game between Houston and Philadelphia is on regular television, and the football game between Houston and Philadelphia is on a streaming service, they're going to choose football. Even though it's a horrible, it's a horrible, horrible matchup. matchup. And that's the that's kind of the dilemma the NFL's created with this Thursday Night Football. Everybody's got to play. Okay, so you're putting on the Houston Texans on Thursday Night Football. They've got the stage all to themselves. What do you do? Do you schedule them against another projected horrible team to make it a better, you know, a competitive game? A contest. Or do you put a, a good team in there? And, and they pick the Philadelphia Eagles, who... Uh, the NFL didn't know they were going to be seven and zero at this point, but, uh-huh. but here we are. This they is a horrible, horrible matchup on paper. All right, do you know how good bookmakers can be, Vinny? I mean, we how do. good can they be? Okay. Um, at DK Sportsbook, offered a bet last night on 76ers made three pointers combined with Phillies base hits. Okay, 76ers made three pointers and Phillies hits. The over under was nineteen and a half. The 76ers made 19 three-pointers and a loss to the Wizards, and the <laughs> Phillies had no hits in Game 4 of the World Series. That is, that's not the way they drew it up, but that's unbelievable. <laughs> that's unbelievable. The they drew it up, but they are unbelievable. They are unbelievable, though, and, and I most see it during the uh, NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. With over-unders? With over-unders and with point spreads, especially in those 116 games, yeah. where the point spread will be like 38 points, and you're like, how could they how yeah. could they get that right? And then all of a sudden, a team's up like 44 <laughs> points, and you're like, ah, they're uh, way off. And then the team makes a run at the end, and they win by 39 or 37. Yeah. And you're like, how do they know yeah. when it's such a large number? Like tonight, even tonight's a football game, the spread is 13 and a half points. Which is enormous for an NFL oh, game. Oh, you're not kidding. I'd Especially probably take for a the, team on the road. I'd probably take the Eagles in that, though, right? I, I, I don't know. I, 
Uh, I don't feel qualified to answer those. Yeah, questions. same here. Same here. People always ask me for you. You're into sports. What? Do, who hey, should what I think bet? about this? No, you're, you're asking the wrong right. person. Right. I got confused earlier in the show about the same parking lot thing. You know why? Because <laughs> Philadelphia, the 76ers had a home game yesterday in the same parking lot, and they moved the tip tip off up. They started an okay. NBA game in Philadelphia at three o'clock yeah, in the afternoon. Yeah, that's oh, that, that's why they did that. <laughs> yeah, that, of course. Yeah. Okay. And the Sixers lost. Okay. So listen, I, I think this is interesting because w- the World Series, Houston is one of these cities, and maybe it's just me. For a big city, you just don't feel anything about it. There's no love. There's no hate. There's no fire. I, I was no watching the World, World Series game over the weekend with a buddy of mine, and I was like, you ever been to Houston? Because I've never been. Yeah. And he's like, yeah. It's gross. I've been there. I've been there a handful of times, and I can't tell you a thing about it. It's kind of like the Jacksonville of Texas. <laughs> you're not that far. Now, listen, with all uh, apologies to B Train, Bertrand Berry. Love that guy. Our guy. Too blessed to be stressed. No, Bertrand definitely. Barry. And it's true. He is. He is. He's, he's so he, blessed. He's not stressed. That, that is truth in advertising, man. He, um, he, he's a big Houston guy. But I, it's like he, th- there's just nothing appealing about that to a lot of people. What? But the but this but this all time like you said this all time call response that we just saw it, 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 I don't know what the comps are to this the, the Philly fan base went from uber confident that they were going to win the World Series to probably having to just, in a tie series by the way to probably having no hope and well, now uh, look I know Justin Verlander's World Series record is not that great but you get to deal with him tonight in Game Five yeah. Game fives and two-two baseball series are phenomenal. Momentum is only as uh, whatever strong as the next day's pitcher, and then three relievers, as the saying goes. That, that's what the saying goes now <laughs> in twenty twenty-two. Text yeah. the word "devils" to six twenty six twenty for your chance to win VIP field and tailgate passes to see ASU take on the Oregon State Beavers, courtesy of Bar S. Once again, that's Devils. D-E-V-I-L-S to 620-620. Coming up next, we got some explanation about Patrick Peterson's post-game behavior after the Vikings beat the Cardinals. And that explanation came from P2 himself. We'll get into it next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Ak-Chin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.